0: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit JDPower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or SleepNumber.com. Yeah, 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 yeah. L- listen, w- w- the thing is, I don't want to upset my relationship with Sheena. You have no relationship with Sheena, you idiot. But I want to tell the truth. Okay. The truth. <laughs> the truth, right. uh That really got me, you guys. The uh And seeing Ariana get activated, calling him an idiot. I was thriving. Are you idiot. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. That was a clip, of course, from this week's Vanderpump Rules, part two of the reunion. I am buzzing today for multiple reasons. Number A, I just finished a mini Diet Coke right before we recorded. And number B, I found out some breaking news. That's right. Pull over for driving because I just found out was reported by Variety that the one, the only, Kim Cattrall is returning to the Sex and the City universe. I am thrilled about this. Now, and just like that, the Sex and the City spinoff is coming back very soon, I believe in June for season two of an uh, the unhinged uh, continuation of that storyline of Carrie and the Gals. And Kim Cattrall, who famously had a feud with Sarah Jessica Parker, and I believe Michael Patrick King, who was one of the people who run the show, she had said she's never going to play Samantha Jones again. And then here we come. Samantha, don't call it a job for nothing. Jones. Honey, they don't call it a job for nothing. It's coming back to our screens now. It's being reported by Variety that it's just one scene. I guess she's basically zooming in because it was one scene. <laughs> There's one scene over a phone call. So I don't think she's really gonna be doing a whole lot. But she did film one scene as Samantha Jones can be a phone call. It was reported that she didn't film with any of the other gals, which I was a little upset about because I felt like she at least had a good relationship with Kristen Davis and Cynthia Nixon. I didn't expect her to be getting along and doing scenes with Jay Diaz. But I certainly expected maybe we could get her not with SJP, but maybe with some of the other gals or Anthony or something. But it turns out she's just gonna be phone calling in or zooming in or whatever. But I don't care. I'm so Grateful because look, we're in divisive times right now. We need something to bridge us all together. We need something to bring unity because we're dealing with a lot—not only with the divisive politics, but we're also dealing with the scandal the Vanderpump Rules reunion, the Jersey reunion. So, us people who are listening to this podcast, we have a lot going on. And I've told you a million times: you've got to take care of yourself during these hectic, trying times. You've got to get your sleep. You've got to take your probiotics. Hydrate. These are important things. And so. I just know season two of it just like that. Whether it's good or it's bad, it doesn't matter. It's going to heal us. Because guess what? If it's bad, it's going to give us something to talk about. If it's good, it's going to give us something to talk about. And we need that right now. We need that. We come to this place for magic, in the words of Nicole Kidman in the AMC ad. And so we need that magic. And we got all these other shows that just recently ended. Succession had their season finale or series finale, which. I thought was excellent, but it just ended last week. And so we need uh, and just like that to return to us and give us either a completely terrible unhinged season or a really good season. I don't care, but I'm thrilled that Kim Cattrall is going to be reprising that role. And again, they don't call it a job for nothing, so I hope they paid her. I hope they opened up the purse loosened up the purse strings a little bit and gave her a hefty paycheck. I know she's busy on that other show How I Met Your Father and she's doing some other stuff, but we need her as Samantha Jones. And so look HBO, or whatever you're calling yourselves these days. I don't know, Max or HBO. I can't keep up with your name changes. But whatever you got to do to get Kim Cattrall back in the Sex and City universe for good is what you need to do. I don't care what it is. You load up the Mac truck full of money to her and give us what we need. And so my hope is that this was a good experience for her, her Zoom filming that she did. The Zoom filming she did for season two—I don't know if it's going to be on Zoom. It might be on an iPhone, iPad. I don't give a shit. As long as she's back on screen as Samantha Jones. But whatever, my hope is that it went really well. The response will be really great. And then for season three, even just like that, they'll phase her in more. They'll start layering in her in more. Maybe we get rid of some of the people who aren't working so much. Cough. Che Diaz. Cough. Actually, I don't know if I want Che Diaz to go because I sort of like that whole thing. Anyway, I'm very excited for Kim Cattrall to return. So thank you, thank you, thank you to whoever made that happen. God bless you. God bless. Okay. So Vanderpump rules, uh, the reunion. There's all this stuff about She Shea she, having to sit a hundred yards away. Rachel was a hundred yards away. And you now this week on the show, they had to do a flip. I was a little upset that we didn't get a full walk and talk from Rachel. For the hundred yards away when she was coming out of the reunion set, because if she was a hundred yards away from the studio, I didn't want to see her on a car. I would have liked if Bravo Production made her walk that hundred yards and then filmed it the whole way, or if like the camera crew was on a golf cart, but they made Rachel walk. You know, like, wouldn't that have been great? Like Aaron Sorkin style walk and talk, where the producers are in a golf cart and they interview her as she's walking to the stage. That what is what I would have wanted. Instead, we kind of got like a a weird impasse with the two of them. And supposedly she was filing for a dismissal of their restraining order, but the damage was done. The damage was done because she she had to still stay 100 yards away from her. And we talked a lot this week about Shishi, whether or not she punched or whether she shoved or whether she slapped. And she talked about in Vanderpump Rules how she couldn't make a fist because she's got those long talon grippers where she's got them long talon nails. So she was saying, look, my nails don't do this. They don't make a fist which is anyone else feeling like those long nails are starting to go out of style. I just was watching Kim Kardashian on like an interview or something, or maybe it was on the new season of Kardashians. I'm not sure where, I can't remember where I see all these things, but she didn't have the nails no more. And I've been seeing more and more of these, like kind of like the influencer girls not having those long talon grippers. And so I don't know, maybe they're going out of fashion. And so it won't help. Shishi's case if she's got those long nails, no longer on her fingers. However, There was all this talk about what she could do, and here's what I really have come to realize over the last couple weeks is I've been really sitting with this information. You know, I go to sleep at night and I think about did Sheena make a fist? You know, (laughs) I know some of you out there are parents. You probably go to sleep thinking about like I hope my kids are safe, and like (laughs) I hope my children grow up to be great human beings. But I'm sitting in bed because I'm childless at the moment. I'm sitting in bed thinking, uh, what did Sheena punch? Did Sheena make a fist? Did she uh, shove? Did what did she she do? So I'm trying to get at the bottom of that every time I hit the pillow. And so what I've come to realize is that yes, Sheena is actually a fighter. She's got that fighting spirit and she'll be along uh, she'll be around on camera longer than the rest of these people believe you me because that woman is a fighter and she is a survivor. Now she also has very gentle hands, we've come to learn, because of the fact that she cannot make a fist. So I have realized and come to the conclusion that she-she is a modern-day Reba McIntyre. With gentle hands and the heart of a fighter, I'm a survivor. <laughs> She's got gentle hands and the heart of a fighter. She's a survivor, and nothing has ever described she, she, she better than that Reba McIntyre song from her sitcom, the theme song. So anyway, I don't think she did. I don't think she did. I don't think she did a fist. I think she might have done a push or something. I don't know. But apparently she's dropping the restraining order or the whatever that she filed to dismiss it. But then it wasn't enough time, so I don't even—fuck that, because I'm mad she didn't file the dismissal in time. So we could have gotten she, she on stage with Rachel— and by the way, I saw Shishi go back to her trailer 100 yards away, and I did not see Brock with that short hair and the thighs. Where's that man at? Let's get him mic'd up on camera. You know who else we need to mic up? Summer Moon. Because guess what? Sheena said in this episode that uh, Summer Moon was picking up on her energy. So she said Summer Moon uh, saw Shishi crying about this restraining order in the court legal situation. In Summer Moon, I believe, I hope I'm getting this right, but I think she said Summer Moon was hyperventilating when she saw Shishi hyperventilating. And you know what this means? This means that the Sheena Shea family is a reality TV dynasty. That's a dynasty. So we need to start micing up Summer Moon. I want her to have a normal childhood, but I also want her to step into her role as America's next great reality star, following in the brave footsteps of her foremother, Sheena Shea. Because if I'm hearing this correctly, it seems like Summer Moon's got similar energy to Sheena. And you know, I think Summer Moon's the cutest kid ever. And so, look, I want, want Summer to have a good childhood, but if, if we might need entertainment, we might need our troops to get in front of the camera. And so, look, we might need Summer Moon to serve next season, both uh, figuratively and at Sir. I might need to put on a Sir dress. Because if she's got that same kind of energy as Sheena Shea, then I'm going to need her serving goat cheese balls to the patrons of uh, West Hollywood. So that's what we need, Summer Moon. Mic her up. Mic her up. Uh, By the way, did anyone watch the Peacock version of this? I wasn't sure if I was going to watch because Peacock, the streaming service, is airing uncensored versions of the Vanderpump Rules reunion. Now, I watched the censored version of part one, and I thought it was great. I thought it was fantastic. And people kept saying to me, Danny, you gotta watch the Peacock version. Gotta watch the Peacock. And I was like, what could be different? How could I need to watch that? What do I need to watch it? And guess what? I'm here to report that it was fantastic. You get all the swearing. There was extra stuff about Satchel and Satchel's dating someone new. You got like all the answers I was hoping for. And I also think the non, uh, the non-beeping, like the non-beeping of the swear words, I think it makes for a much better viewing experience because Part one of the reunion, the one complaint I saw people had, and I felt this way too, is like when tensions are running high and everyone's yelling at each other, we can handle the yelling, but what we can't handle is all that fucking beeping. And so I love just not having the beeping because then I felt like more at peace watching. Not to say that I didn't get mad, but I did feel more at peace watching the reunion without the beeping because it just didn't feel like things are ringing in my head. And I'm already hearing things in my head before I go to sleep at night about these people. And so uh, the fact is, I need the non-beeping, because I can't add the beeps to my head. I got enough voices up there, as it is. I don't need the beeps. Do you get what I'm saying? Anyway, so I highly encourage... I haven't watched part two of the Peacock, because it's not out yet as of this recording, but I will be watching part two of the Peacock version with the uncensored, because it's thrilling. And also, the extended versions let things breathe a little bit, so I... I'm a big fan that they're doing it. They need to do it with every episode, every single episode. I wish they would also, my other complaint is that the Peacock uncensored version should air at the same time. I think it should air at the same time. Uh, okay, before we get into the rest of the episode, I do want to plug something. Now, I'm sorry to do another book plug. Uh, you guys are sick of it. I'm sick of it. I hate to have to plug this. But I got some really exciting news. I found out actually back in January, and I've been holding on to this, uh, dear to the chest, but Target, the Target stores, they selected my book that was out last year. How do I unremember this? They selected it as the June book club pick of this year, 2023. So at Target stores across the country, it'll be featured on store shelves. It should be there. Soon, some stores are, you know, get them up a little bit later, and some of them have them up now. So by mid June, you'll see it at all the stores, hopefully, uh, unless it sells out, which is a great thing too. But it's the new paperback version of How Do I Unremember This? Now, here's the thing: the new paperback is out everywhere, so you can get it at Amazon, your indie bookstore, wherever. It's out now everywhere. The paperback, the paperback has a brand new chapter that I wrote for the paperback. Now, if you get it at Target online at Target, there's a signed version available. So I signed a whole slew of them for Target. So you go to their website, get the signed version, make sure you select the signed one because they also have the unsigned online. So might get confusing, but they have a signed paperback and then the target, because it's the book club pick for this month, that has like extra bonuses. So there's a Q and A with me and there's a reader's guide and there's a little note to target people. And it also has that bonus chapter. So all of that said, I'm just super, I'm super excited because. Uh, I mean, I can't believe it. That little book that could. It's still, it's still going. And now the book club thing. And then the new book is called The Jolliest Bunch, and it'll be out in late October. And I can't wait to share that one with you. And I'll probably be super annoying about the plugs for that one. I'm so sorry. I get it. It's annoying. I'm sorry. But I also got to sell the merch because uh, that's got to keep the lights on here. Got to keep the lights on. Otherwise, we don't have no electricity. Don't have no TV to watch uh, Vanderpump Rules. So got to keep the lights on. Sell these books. Okay. That said, I was very. Thrilled about that. Oh, and one more, one more annoying plug is that people have been asking me about the Sheena Shea, because we're talking about Shishi. We sell the It's All Happening Temporary tattoos. And Sheena actually brought it up when I did her podcast. And so people have been asking. You can get those at everythingiconic.store. Everythingiconic.store. Okay. All right. All that plug. I'm sorry I hate to do it. Okay, so uh, James, we open this week with James Backstage. Now Sandoval at this point is calling lala a narcissist and lala is making the distinction she says no i have an ego and then her and sandy are going back and forth because zinzival says that you pulled your iud out when you found out Stasi was pregnant rotten hill zinzival. Zinzival. he was really losing this reunion there was one moment later in the episode where he's like i'm not doing so well he was outside by the parking lot smoking a cig and drinking some diet coke which i did not appreciate I did not appreciate that demon having a Diet Coke, not my Diet Coke, not our Diet Coke. Now, gays and girls, have we have claimed the Diet Coke. You know how I feel about this. Girls and gays who drink Diet Coke are better people. And now he's trying to appropriate. My culture is not a costume. So do not have a Diet Coke on screen. You could drink all the fucking Diet Squirt you want, but taking my Diet Coke and drinking it on screen as the demon that you are? No, I will not stand. Now I'm mad. Now I'm mad. I'm mad! (laughs) That's a clip of Alf. That's Alf. Now I'm mad. I'm mad! (laughs) But I am so mad. My culture is not a costume, Tom Zinzival, so put down the Diet Coke. I will not stand for it. I will not let Diet Coke get ruined. Not the way that white nail polish is now ruined. Have you guys been following that whole thing? White nail polish. There was this big article, and I believe it was Glamour, in the brilliant reporting. uh, I love that they did this. And also the writer, and forgive me, I don't have the writer's name in front of me, but if you look up Glamour... I think it was, I hope I'm not getting that wrong. I just should have written this down. I think it was glamour, but look up the nail polish story with Tom Zinzaval because it is so fucking funny because this writer talked about how he ruined white nail polish. And then Zinzaval posted on his Instagram stories, all this things like attacking this woman who wrote this story. And it was like he got activated about it. And then it just totally blew up in his face. And he was, he like, he Googled what a journalist is and then like posted a screen grab and was like, you call yourself a journalist. And it was like, Time, like that's what you're getting mad about are you idiot <laughs> that's the thing that you're gonna really get upset about and then what was so hysterical to me was that then all of these nail polish companies started coming out like opi there was one other one who like released a white nail polish that said like white and it was called that the name of the nail polish was called like white nail polish for everyone and then in parentheses it said except tom sandoval <laughs> Oh, you guys, it was so funny. It was every nail polish company just came out and was like, Team Ariana. <laughs> oh, he couldn't even get the nail polish community on his side. But anyway, he's ruined a white nail polish for everybody. And now he's trying to take Diet Coke from us. Well, I will not stand for it. I will not stand for it. So do not, do not do that. And they should blur it, honestly. An editor, maybe for the uncensored version on Peacock, that's the one thing they should censor because I don't want him associated. And if I was Diet Coke, by the way, I think I, Did we talk about how his cover band – oh, I was on Cara Berry's podcast called Everyone's Business But Mine with Cara Berry, which is a great podcast. But anyway, I was a guest on that, and we were talking about the cover band and how I was saying if I was outcast or one of these musical groups that uh, recreated one of the songs that he's singing on that tour – I would be a little bit pissed because I don't know that you want your brand associated with him at this moment. And so I would imagine that Diet Coke isn't too happy with being associated with him either. So I don't know. Diet Coke people, I feel bad for them, but I hope they know that we love them. We love you, Diet Coke. We love you. Uh, Okay, so what else is going on? So then James is getting up and out a lot. What's he doing? I mean, I know he kept saying he's getting up, he's getting mad, and then he had to pee. I was like, how many times do you have to pee? Maybe he needs to lay off the Diet Coke because he's going to the bathroom every second. It's like, what's happening with his bladder? He needs to slow it down, maybe get that checked or something, because it feels like he's peeing quite a bit. Now, is he just holding water? Is that it? Or, what, or something else happened in the bathroom? Like, what's going on in there that he's got to pee every second? I mean, we need to get that checked out. I mean, I'm not a doctor, so I can't give him any advice on that, but I'm just saying I don't really should be peeing that much during the day. It just seems like a lot. I don't know what time of day this is. Um, Anyway, we do talk about Lala and Randall. Now, Lala says she doesn't talk to Rand. Ocean's not allowed on camera. And this actually thwarts my plans for Summer Moon as well, because we need Ocean on camera, too. If we're going to mic up Summer Moon, we're going to need Ocean mic'd up, too. And so, I'm going to need Randall to drop whatever that is, because I don't, we don't even talk about Randall the demon, but he's also a demon. And so, I just feel like we haven't really discussed that on the podcast. But I did watch the Hulu, whatever, there was a Hulu special on Randall about his business. I didn't really love it, to be honest with you, but uh, I did watch it. I did, I did watch every minute of it and then made Matt watch it, but I didn't like it. <laughs> I did recommend to multiple friends that they watch it, but I did not think it was good. However... Uh, I watched it, and it was a lot about the L.A. Times article that came out, a lot of the stuff that we already sort of knew. I I don't know if there were tons of new revelations. But overall, that man is just a demon. And we also find out that his spokesperson is Harvey Weinstein's spokesperson. These men, these men. Imagine going to sleep at night as their spokesperson for Randall Emmett and Harvey Weinstein. I mean, how are you shutting your eyes at night, I talk about how I shut my eyes and I have a loop of Sheena Shea talking about making a fist, but that man must just have a loop about feeling guilty because here he is sticking up for all these demons and being their literal spokesperson. Now, that is not okay. That is not an appropriate job. So you need to – whoever that man is – I think she said it was a man. I'm assuming he was a man. But that man, I hope that he – just corrects course and he just needs to figure it out. He needs to figure it out because there's no way that he should be doing that for a living. The spokesperson for Randall and Harvey Weinstein. No, I don't trust that person. And he, I hope he don't come after me now. I got to worry about the legal system. And so I should, I should shut up too, because I don't, I don't have my own spokesperson. So I'm going to need to stop talking unless that representative comes after me because I don't want that to happen. Or I don't want Randall to come after me either. So this is all alleged, but Randall, while says was a fan of the show. Now, LVP keeps chiming in. And I watched this episode with Matt, my boyfriend. And I told you for a long time he wasn't interested. Then the scandal all happened. And now suddenly he's like so invested in this. To the point that we were sitting there watching this. And Lala's talking about Randall. And she's saying uh, this stuff about, I don't know, he was a fan of the show. And then LVP kept chiming in. She kept saying and trying to make jokes. And we're trying to get to the bottom of this. She also did it later in the episode with Zinzova was saying something and she's always, she's doing like these bits and stuff. I'm like, read the room, LVP. A, you shouldn't be defending these men next to you. And B, this is, there are certain times that are not time for jokes. And she kept trying to do the punchline, the ba And we're talking about something serious. Lala's like in tears or something. And Matt is sitting there watching with me and he shouts at the screen. He says, shut up, Lisa. You guys. <laughs> I loved it. I Not that I loved it. I don't want to tell people to shut up, but I loved how invested he was, let's say. I loved how invested he was. He was just shouting at the screen like the rest of us. So we've all turned a corner. We've all turned a corner. I've heard a lot of you, from a lot of you in the DMs, you say your husband wasn't watching before, and now your husband's watching with you. And so we got them all back on board. Uh, they're all watching Vanderpump Rules. All the straight guys are liking Vanderpump Rules these days. And so, welcome. And also, I uh, appreciate you all engaging Uh, in the way that we all like to engage. And also the gays who didn't watch before, like my Matthew, he is just shouting, shut up, at the screen. So God bless. Then uh, they talk about Randall some more, uh, and how did Lala fuck him for parts? what parts are we talking about? It's not like she was in August Osage County or something. I don't know. I don't think, and nobody should be fucking for parts. I'm not saying that. I'm certainly not stamping that with approval. I'm just saying, I was like confused when she said, were you fucking him for parts? I'm like, I can't even name all the parts. What are we talking about fucking for parts? Like, I guess the row is what they were referring to. But I know it was like do you fucking for parts. I'm like, what part are we talking about? Auto parts or something? Because I'm not sure what parts we're talking about. Because I don't know that I've seen a lot of press junkets with Lala. So I wish we would have more. I would actually wish they would put her in more movies. So let's get Lala on screen in a scripted thing. But I just was a little confused at first. And then she said she's from Utah. She's like, I should up to L.A. And I didn't know I'm from Utah. And by the way, the Utah really came out in Katie in the flashback. Did you see Katie Maloney's also from Utah? And she's kind of got that Whitney Wild Rose thing where she says healing and filling and instead of healing and feeling. And so in the flashback, she kept telling her, her shoeless shorts, the ex-husband, she kept saying, be real, be real, be real, be real, be real, be real. And they should it like 11 times. Like, I, I think they had it on some sort of loop. And by the way, that's going to be playing in my head when I hit the pillow tonight. It's just Katie Maloney being like, be real, be real, be real, be real. Be real, be real. I just heard it a hundred times. Hundred. <laughs> be real. Anyway, uh, we talk about fucking for parts, and then LVP says that James fucked Kristen to get on this TV show. These old cast members keep coming up like ghosts of Christmas past. It's just like I'm hearing Stasi about the IUD, and then they're saying James fucked Kristen, and then I mean we're getting all the blasts from the past, and then those other two, the Kentucky Muffin and that other man, Demon. They are also popping up everywhere, and now they're giving interviews. I just saw an interview with uh, Jacks from Rolling Stone. Sort of, he's been saying in every interview, interviews, like I'm coming, I got things in the works, I got things in the works, and so he might be coming back. We might be seeing Jacks and the Kentucky woman on screen again. And so uh, we've been talking about that for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I'm just scared about it. I'm scared about it. That's why I keep bringing it up on this podcast because I'm I'm terrified. Honestly, I'm like uh, I'm terrified about it. Uh, anyway, yeah. So James says, look. I was 22 years old when I thought Kristen would be on this TV show. And then he says to LVP, you should be thanking me. He said, you should be thanking me for a storyline. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. I was also really liking the vulnerable version of Lala. She said, she had a very profound moment. She said, if something sounds too good to be true, it is. She said she's been sober for, for I think, four and a half years. I was just I, I, proud of her. I like Lala more than I have in a really long time because Probably for like most of her tenure, I did not care for her. And now, because I'm uh, into her really laying into Sandoval and getting vulnerable, I'm really turning a corner with Lala. So here we go. Give me Lala. Uh, then we cut for lunch. Cut for lunch. And I, again, love this behind-the-scenes stuff. I said last week on the show, I love when we're just getting the makeup people doing their hair and makeup in between commercial breaks and stuff. And now, when we're cutting for lunch and we're seeing them go to the craft service or get their foods... Oh, you guys I just there's just something so cinematic about it. I mean Scorsese wishes because just seeing the camera people follow them to the trailers and to and then put on I love when they put on like change into a sweatsuit or put on a robe or something over their dress. Like I don't there's something so voyeuristic about it. I love it. And then seeing Schwartz on the reunion stage alone doing push-ups, like what the you guys, Schwartz, what is going on? And then he had the whole pill bottle in his thing. Now, I don't want to make any pill-popping accusations, but it was sort of troubling to me that that man who can never put on some closed-toed shoes is uh, carrying around a pill bottle, and it's not okay. And not only that, but I mentioned his shoelessness. And I don't know if you saw this, but Schwartz and Sandys has a dress code. Some people were posting online. I saw people sending me the dress code for Schwartz and Sandys. It says you can't wear sandals. Now, here's the thing that gnaws at my craw. How the fuck are you going to say a dress code that you can't wear clothes or open-toed shoes, and you got an owner whose literal name is on the front door of your establishment? So that's a couple doors down from a tallywagger so you can get some dog food. Uh, you mean to tell me that you can't go to the dog food store and get some fish uh, fish food? And then head on over and get your lobster corndog at Schwartz and Sandy's if you're wearing some sandals. Meanwhile, the owner is surely walking around there with his hooves out. I mean, that is egregious. That is unacceptable to me, the fact that that is a literal dress code. That's a dress code problem, and I will not accept that. And if I ever do go to Schwartz and Sandy's, you better bet your bottom dollar that I'm going to show up in open-toed shoes just to stick it to the man, because there's no way. I don't support vandalism or graffiti, but I do support going into that establishment with some open-toed shoes, because there's no reason that you should tell me, and believe you me, I don't believe that any man should not be wearing. Although I, I do have to apologize, actually, while we're here. While we're here, I want to apologize to specifically the foot fetish community, because I have been on this podcast week after week after week, just really honing in on that man, honing in on that demon, Tom Schwartz, who never seems to wear closed toed shoes. And I've been saying I don't think men should be having their their hooves out. I don't think I should see their lower grippers. I don't want to see man toes. I, women, toe, women keep their feet together a little bit better. Anyway, so I did hear from upwards of three of you. Who have a foot fetish, and you said, "Danny, you need to stop." And so I, did, mea culpa, I am apologizing uh, for my remarks on the, to the foot fetish community because we're sex positive here. If you got a foot fetish, God bless. My real point was that most, particularly straight men—and I hate to stereotype again—but particularly straight men, they don't know how to keep uh, keep their hooves clean. And so my point is not necessarily that no man cannot wear shoes or socks. Certainly that's not it. But if you're going to, then you need to take care of those, those hooves because it's not okay to just, I see some of these men sometimes out there. I live in California where the weather's warm and you see their feet and you think, how did you get out of the house like that with them talons on your feet? And just these long ass nails, not, I mean, nope, not a pedicure in sight. I mean, just uh, mold growing on their hooves It's bleak. And so that was my point. I Certainly, if you have great feet, then you show them off. And if you're someone who has a foot fetish, I myself don't, but God bless you. And as long as it's happy and healthy and good, I go for it. So my apologies. Mea culpa to the foot fetish community. I apologize. And with that, I we better take our break. <laughs> Oh, uh, isn't this show stupid? I love I love that I get to do this podcast and talk about all this nonsense and I, I mostly just love all of you for listening to it because the fact that I get to get on a microphone, make a living talking about hooves, it really makes my day uh, anyway, we're going to take a break, I want to thank Acast also, uh, I mentioned Sex and the City earlier I do the Sex and the City recaps over on the Patreon page, there's a link in the episode description and we'll be right back That's one month for just $1 at Shopify.com slash Everything Iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash Everything Iconic. And we're back. With Jenny. So we're cut for lunch, and Shoeless is doing his push-ups on the main stage. Meanwhile, Zinsvall's going to the parking lot in his black trench coat, looking next to Rachel, like Boris and Natasha from the Rocky and Bullwinkle series. And he's got his cigarettes and his Diet Coke, his cigarettes and the Diet Coke. And uh, you know what I feel about the Diet Coke? Well, that's great. I reject it. I reject him drinking it. But he is walking around, and he's looking very serious and intense. And he's got the glasses on, and he's just uh, yelling at producers. And he goes... to talk to Rachel. And there's a security person sitting right outside. And we need to get him on the line because there's a man right outside that trailer who was sitting there. I'm assuming it was Bravo Security, unless it was maybe someone from production. But I need to know what he was thinking the whole time because I want to know what he heard, what he saw. I need eyes and ears on that man. Anyway, Zinzal goes into the trailer and he hugs Rachel. It's so still creepy to me to see him and the other dummy, like in a relationship and hugging and being this way with each other, it's like still very weird to me. And he says to Rachel Zinssol says they're making us out to be pathological liars. And then Rachel responds to that with, "We know we're not. We literally don't lie about anything other than this affair." Are you idiot? Okay, okay, okay. We got to talk about this. Okay, it's a pretty big thing to be lying about. And I'd also just like to point out to that those two dummies that were in the trailer, I'd like to point out that these were multiple lies. So this the affair just wasn't like one lie. You were lying to multiple different people. You were lying. We've also found out that you were really lying to each other because Zinzval was uh, intimate with Ariana during a time that Rachel says he said he wasn't intimate with her, and they can't even keep these lies straight with each other. And so, yes, that is, I, I don't know the definition of pathological liar, but it feels to me like it might be close to what these demons are doing, which is lying a lot. A lot. We're seeing it a lot. We're even seeing them try to craft their lies. We're seeing him say to production on camera, like, we need to go talk. We need to get our stories. And like, they keep saying this thing. And here's the thing about both of them. I think that they were media coached. I'm sure they had so many conversations, both with each other, with their reps, with PR reps, with managers, with agents, with whoever was on their teams. I, they, I'm sure that I know they have teams. And so there were probably multiple conversations and there's so the, there were these little moments where Rachel will say something to Andy on her one-on-one or, or earlier in part one where Tom Zinzal was saying his apology to Ariana right when he got out there. And I think all of those moments were like things that were crafted ahead of time to try to make them look better and to try to get some sympathy on their side. But the funny thing is, is that like they, they don't, they're, God, how do I say this without being mean? They're too stupid to really go beyond that. So they can get out those canned PR statements really easily, and they can get those, but they haven't really planned beyond that. So it's like they're not improvisers. So it's like they get out that one sentence that they practiced, and then everything else is just like them with chickens with their heads cut off, and they're running around outside them trailers and drinking the Diet Coke with the cigs and just like, oh, I got to talk to her. Oh, dude. oh, oh. oh. Oh, I got to talk to her. Oh, where's Raquel? I'm tired of filming. Uh, uh, uh. And so he can't, he only knows those one sentences to say that they planned and Rachel the same way only knows them one sentences. Uh, and then that's all they planned. But to say that like, we don't lie about anything other than this affair. And it's like, Oh, you're literally lying in that sentence. Like you, every sentence is a lie because that's a lie, right? We know we're not, we don't lie about anything other than this affair, she says, but that's like a bunch of big lies. And also, well, come to find out it seems like you also lied about the restraining order because now you're suddenly dismissing it so if it was really something you were fearing danger for your life you wouldn't dismiss it and so if you're dismissing it now that's proving the fact that you were lying about Shishi she and your baby eyed ass so don't tell me on camera that you don't lie because we've seen you lie a hundred fucking times and so you're trying to tell us you only lied about the fair which was multiple lies but we also are finding out you lied about a hundred other fucking things so anyway oh, I'm getting mad now I'm mad I'm mad! (laughs) Anyway, uh, I mentioned Ariana getting activated and Sandoval, one of the things he's trying to do this episode is like paint her out to like, that's how she always was. And He was saying on stage to her, like, oh, people are finally seeing the real you, and she's like, yeah, like, I'm proud of it. Like, she's just sticking up for herself after you cheated on her, you guys were together for nine years, cheated with one of her best friends. And so, yeah, she's going to talk to you like that. But then he even says in the trailer, a 100 yards away from Shishi, he says that Ariana talked down to him... And then uh every time he's trying to get that point across, like, Ariana tucks down to me and stuff, it's all a bag of bullshit. And yeah, it doesn't matter if she talks down to you sometimes, then you should have gotten out of the relationship if you don't want to be in the relationship. Don't start sleeping with a friend and then lie about it for nine months. Unacceptable. He also, in this trailer scene, every time he tries to say a sentence, he's like, it was like, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, like, uh, uh. i like, I can't even understand what he's saying, because all he's really saying is, it's like, you know, it's like, you know... Which leads me to believe that he doesn't really know what he's talking about. He don't have his lies straight. So there you go. And then Rachel, she, honestly, Rachel, I don't understand. I don't, I feel like I'm usually a pretty good judge of character, although maybe I'm learning that I'm not at all. Maybe through this recap podcast, I'm learning I have no good judge of character because I thought these demons were nice people and then come to find out I was wrong. So anyway, uh, Rachel says in the trailer, she says, maybe we should have done this earlier. No shit. No shit. No shit, no shit, you dummy. No shit, no shit, no shit, you should have done this earlier. You should have, no shit, you should have, uh, you should have copped to it earlier. Come on, no shit, no shit. Maybe we should have done this earlier, she says. No shit. Ugh, oh, honestly, no shit. No shit, you dummy. I'm <laughs> sorry. Like, how do these two, watching them talk is like, how, what? And then she says, it sucks that my entire character is in question. She says, I went through a transitional phase this summer, and the pendulum swang too much the other way, and this is my wake-up call. I want to talk about this for at least 45 minutes, because she says that she went through a transitional phase this summer. Now, a transitional phase is uh, giving yourself bangs. That's a transitional phase. Not fucking one of your best friend's significant others for nine years, the man that she bought a house with. Come on, Rachel, don't say that's a transitional phrase, because you also made out with your other friend or your other co-workers, then-husband, and wasn't officially divorced yet. I mean, again, we've all gone through phases, especially in your 20s. Sometimes you slut it up, and I support that. I think everyone should have that phase in their lives. But not when it comes at the expense of one of your best friends. Or someone who's essentially married, common-law married, uh, bought a house with somebody who's not in an open relationship. So then to sit there and say, well, I went through a transition, like, I felt like that was, uh, that was one of those examples of a canned response that was planned ahead of time for her to say on camera. She says, I went through a transitional phase this summer and the pendulum swang too much the other way. And this is my wake-up call. Like, she memorized that line. And it ain't even a good line because it's, it's stupid. And then uh they end this little talk they have with Tom Zinzival saying, I believe in you. I believe in you. And then they have this mm-hmm. longest silence I've ever seen in my life, this long beat, long quietness between them, because there's not a whole lot for those two to talk about. They I don't think either one of them is a conversationalist. So uh, the fact that they have had this going on for so long is shocking to all of us, because Taking out the sex of it all, it's like watching the two of them talk, I don't know that they could have much conversation between them. What are they sitting there talking about? I mean, I just picture them at home watching, like, I don't know, fucking Muppet Babies or something. (laughs) Like, I don't think they could both handle watching an episode of Succession or something like that. And again, I'm a dummy, too. So sometimes I don't want to watch that really heavy stuff. But I feel like I at least could understand an episode of something heavy. But those two, I'm like, what do they even watch on Netflix? I just imagine them only being able to watch. Seriously, the only thing that comes to mind is them sitting and watching an episode of Muppet Babies. And I feel like that's all they can handle. And that's all their brain... And then it's like, what do they talk about? Like, oh, do you see, I don't know, Fozzie? What he did, he was funny. Like, I feel like that's the conversation after they're watching something on TV. Because imagine them watching literally anything else. In the Vanderpump Rules universe, there's this movie called Drive with Ryan Gosling. It was famously the movie that Jax and Kristen had on when they fucked while Zinzval was on the couch next door or whatever. So Drive, if I try to apply the Vanderpump Rules uh, universe rules to Rachel and Tom Sensible, I can't imagine them watching Drive. I don't feel like they'd understand Drive at all. So what do they watch? That's honestly what we need Andy to do next. That's what I need, a one-on-one on Watch What Happens Live with Rachel. And I just need to know, Like, please, I, I feel like I might understand them better, actually. I might. Much like how I liked Lala being vulnerable, I think vulnerability goes such a long way. And that's another thing that we're missing from Rachel is any sort of vulnerability. We haven't seen tears. We're seeing smiles. We're she's literally fucking giddy in these scenes that she's watching from the trailer a hundred yards away from Shishi Good As Gold Shay. And so I can't imagine uh I can't imagine her being vulnerable about anything because she hasn't shown us any vulnerability. She did earlier in the season, remember in the have car ride, she showed some vulnerability. But anyway, the point is I would like a one on one sit down with Andy Cohen and I or maybe we do Actually, since we've already done the one-on-ones, I think what we need next is Zinzival and Rachel on a, a double, like a double bill. Let me be bartender. Watch what happens live, please. Well, I want to see the two of them there, and I need somebody to ask them, what do they watch together? Because every couple watches TV together, right? Every, all of us, we watch our shows, we watch our programs, we watch our stories. And I can't imagine what fucking story those two are watching together, because the amount of tumbleweeds in their heads is that's the only thing in their heads is one tumbleweed just floating in the distance. Just one and just picture in the side of their heads it's just a desert oasis or just a desert with one tumbleweed stumbling across. Like very slowly coming across. And it's like that's all that's going on up there. So like what are they watching? I need to know. Anyway. Then we cut to uh Zanzival. He who leaves he wants producers to give him a chance to chat with Raquel without cameras. And the producer's like look you can go but you can talk to her, but we're going to film it. And then Zinzavala's like, well, you legally have to give us a break. Uh-uh, dude. Uh-uh. You got to give us a break. Uh-uh. And the producer's like, you can have your fucking break. I don't care. Go take your break. Please go take your mic off. Take your break. We're on lunch. We don't have to film you doing nothing. But if you're going to be with her, we're going to film it. This is reality This is what you signed up for. And so I'm sick of this, and actually I'd like to go on a rant right now about Summer House, so sit tight. I'm sorry to do this in the middle of the Vanderpump Rules recap, but I'm having a big old problem with those people over there in Summer House trying to hide everything from cameras. That whole part one of their reunion was all about, like, who hides what, and how dare Lindsay bring something up on camera to Kyle, and Paige is saying, like, you did this on the—it's, like, all about— how they're hiding shit from us, and this is a reality show, and I need those people to step it up, not only that, but also realize that you give up a lot of that privacy when you sign up for reality show. That's why people like us aren't on a reality show. I don't want to do that. I don't want to have to put my whole life on a reality show. That's why I'm not signed up for one. But so the Summer House people, they're uh, living by new rules because none of them want to share anything. Kyle's like, how dare you, Lindsay, bring that up and uh, bring it up on camera. And it's like, well, that's what you're fucking doing here. That's what their paycheck is. And I also didn't understand in Summer House when Paige is like, Lindsay and Carl, you don't have a job. And I'm like, am I fucking crazy? Because I'm watching their job right now. And I've always loved Paige, but I'm like, that's their job. What are you talking about? They're making more than uh, what a traditional job would make by doing Summer House. And they also get sponsors. uh, Outside of the actual show that they're filming, these reality stars, spoiler alert, make a lot of money on sponsorship deals and product sponsorships and going to events and being seen on things. Like Oftentimes, they're getting money outside of the show. But even if they just had the show, it's like, well, they're on the show. We're literally filming their job. You think Lindsay and Carl would be doing this just for... Fucking shits and giggles. And so I don't know where we go from here, but I just had to get that off my chest. But if you're on a reality show and producers want to film you, it's okay. Just expose your life because that's the whole gig. So it's just enough is enough. So Zinzeval sitting outside that trailer a 100 yards away from She-She-Good-as-Gold-Shea. He's saying, I got to go on a break and I don't want to be filmed. And producer's like, yeah, fine. Go on your break. But if you go together, we're going to film you because this is a fucking reality show. So come on come on. And he's saying, I don't feel relaxed. We have to watch what we say. And it's like, yeah, no shit. No shit. No shit. No shit. You have to watch what you say. You're on camera and you can't keep your lies straight. I mean, and you've been doing so many terrible things. Like, Stop lying. And I think the audience truly believe this. And I I know I've said a hundred times, but like, if the two of them would get vulnerable and show some Remorse, and I'm talking real remorse, not the crocodile tears, not trying to act like in that scene with Lisa Vanderpump where he's at the curtains at the in her door at the house, and he's like, Ooh! like I'm talking about like just really, just be vulnerable and like honest and open. And I think the audience, we would be so willing to move on. Not right away, of course. You did some awful, terrible things. But reality TV audiences, more than any other audiences, is like, we want to move on to the next thing. And so once we can see some vulnerability, maybe we could. But like, Rachel and Zinzival have not shown us any of it. This is part two of the reading, and I haven't seen no vulnerability. I mean, last week, part one, maybe he had a couple moments where he was trying, but they, it didn't feel real to me because that's he wasn't being vulnerable. He was trying to give out a canned answer that he had pre-planned, and he might have been trying to squeak out a tear or two, but it didn't feel authentic. And so I think it would go a long way if they would just get authentic for a second. Get real, in the words of Katie Maloney. Get real. Get real. Real. Get real. Okay, I've had too much caffeine. I'm just <laughs> nuts. <laughs> Anyway, we send Allie out. Allie's on the reunion stage. Love Allie. Love Allie. She met James at Tom's show. I mean, that cursed show. And uh, that's where they met. She watched Vanderpump Rules during her COVID. And uh, Andy asks, asked, like, do you have any red flags about getting in a relationship with DJ James Kennedy after watching? She says, uh, well, yeah, I was a little worried. And then they show a montage of DJ James Kennedy being a nightmare. And then Andy asks about the broken engagement with Rachel and James. And I don't think James like missed Rachel at all. I think he just was annoyed by them and her. And I think that's what he's like someone who feels a lot and he's, he's very quick to go from zero to a hundred. Right. And so I don't think it has so much to do with her as much as it does. Like he just cannot control his emotions most of the time. And so anytime he would get annoyed with her, it was just on camera. And so I do think that he should stop using the word fat. And so Allie said that too. She, I mean, Queen Allie, I love her. I love her. And I'm so nervous to say that these days because after I said it about Rachel, now I'm nervous to say about anybody. But right now I have to say that I'm fully standing Allie. She just seems so level headed. And she said, don't use the word fat. Anyway, apparently Raquel's mom uh, was talking about DJ James Kennedy's dick. Well, that's great. I reject it. I don't understand. I didn't under this this came and went on a little too quickly and maybe it would be unpacked a little bit more in the Peacock Uncensored Extended Version. But what what the fuck was that? Well, what the fuck? Why was DJ James Kennedy talking to Rachel's mom about his dick and his circumcision? Now there's a lot of conversations to have at the dinner table in front of Grandma Buttons, but certainly not your uncircumcised dick is something that we should be talking about in front of Grandma Buttons. And I don't quite understand how it happened or how it came up. And Rachel, by the way, was watching from her trailer and I didn't hear her say, not once, like, oh, that never happened, or she. I didn't see her shaking her head when he said specifically the specifics about talking about an uncircumcised penis in front of Grandma Buttons. And so that leads me to believe that, yes, Grandma Buttons was involved in a conversation about T.J. James Kennedy's uncircumcised penis. And so maybe we need to mic up Grandma Buttons. Is it Grandma Buttons or Auntie Buttons or someone Buttons? Uh, loosen up them buttons, baby, because I'm going to need her mic'd up and I'm going to need to hear what she had to say about DJ James Kennedy's uncircumcised penis. Because if they were talking about around the dinner table at Thanksgiving, uh, instead of the parade for Macy's or instead of the, the turkey that you made, or I don't know, was it Thanksgiving they talked about it? I think he said a specific holiday. I think it was Thanksgiving. And what you do on Thanksgiving is you talk about the unhinged parade pairings that you'll see at the macy's thanksgiving day parade so you talk about how jordan sparks is uh singing on top of a jenny o float alongside people dressed as the mucinex booger like that's what you talk about on thanksgiving morning you don't talk about uh dj jims kennedy's uncircumcised penis in front of grandma buttons and like put on the parade for grandma buttons and maybe she'll have some thoughts about that instead of talking about the uncircumcised dick i mean what are we doing here i feel like i felt like crazy like why did that come up right? Like, what are the circumstances? Like, oh, this cranberry sauce looks delicious. And by the way, James, is your dick cut or uncut? Like, how did this happen? I have so many questions about that. I need a one-on-one with grandma buttons. Loosen up them buttons, baby. Loosen up them buttons. Uh, Okay, so then I don't... uh, Allie's hesitant about James's drinking, which that worries me worries me because if everybody's if the drinking's a problem and also we're finding out all these other information i know this is a, not a reunion about dj james kennedy but apparently he was kicked off a premise and smacked a waitress's ass and his his reasoning for that was because he provides a whole show service for his dj services and uh i think andy or someone was like well what does that have to do with you getting kicked out and smacking a waitress's ass like that's not okay And so I think that the drinking is a problem. And Lala stuck up for him. She says, the Toms drink heavily, so they can't say. They shouldn't be the ones talking. Now, there are so many contradictions with this cast. And so that's what we love about Vanderpump Rules, is that uh, there are contradictions. But I do worry about James, because I want the best for Allie, and I don't want him fucking it up. And so I don't want him going out and smacking Waitress's ass and we do remember, lest we not forget, the reunion from a handful of seasons ago. You know, it's one of my favorite re- reunion moments, but it was also largely unexplained. And that is when Brittany, Kentucky Muffin, a Taylor, she says, is her last name Taylor? Did she take Jax's not real last name? Was it? Did she take his last name? Is it Brittany? Brittany? I don't know. Anyway, um, she had said at a reunion a few seasons ago that somebody had seen James. Maybe it was sorry, I can't quite remember. But she had seen James. And I'm sorry for this language. Uh, Cover your ears if you're a child listening to this. I'm not sure why you would be. But (laughs) if you're one of our nation's youth, uh, either cover your ears or buckle up because you got a whole lot of these words coming to you in the future because you can't shield yourself forever. Anyway, Brittany had said that DJ James Kenny was sucking on some girl's tit in a club while he was dating Rachel. What proof would be enough that James was cheating? I mean, I don't know about Lala's confirmation because she wasn't there when all of this supposedly happened. She, she saw somebody's su- him sucking on a girl's Logan. tit in the we club while you guys were dating. very close back there. We were all very close. She's going through Logan on that. Anyway, continue. No, I'm not. I watched you suck on a girl's boob right huh? in front of me in Canada. Exactly. Well- and so we never got a whole lot of information, but apparently James was in a club sucking specifically on a tip. And so, in a club, I can't imagine the logistics of that. Still, baffle me to this day. I mean, that's one of the things that I used to stay up at night thinking about on the pillow. I think, like, how was it? What kind of club was he just sucking on some girls' tit in a club? I mean, it's confusing to me. And again, I'm a gay man, so I don't quite understand. You know, if you were telling me he was sucking a dick in a club, I'd say, "Yeah, ladies, am I right?" Who doesn't? But the fact that he was sucking on a tit, I'm like, I don't quite understand the logistics of it. And so. I just worry about Allie. I don't want these behaviors that could be patterns to bite her in the ass. And so hopefully, hopefully he stops. But Sansevall was getting a little too big for his britches. He says, I, I don't smack girls on the ass. And Ariana goes, no, you just fuck my friends. Ah, oh, I loved it. And James, meanwhile, keeps calling him a mustache, warm bitch every time he's going to the pooper. And so he just, he's like, I got to go. And then he storms off the stage to go take a deuce. And then he's like, "Worm warm ass mustache, bitch. And just keeps shouting shouting at him. And then, uh, Allie does say that she got James to see a therapist. She says, I think everyone should see a therapist, especially men and especially James. She's right. She's right. And I, I, if she has one fan, I'm one of one because I love this Allie. She seems spot on with all of her assessments and she's an astrology queen, which we, I need to get her on the line. I need to get some astrology advice from Allie. Allie, are you, can you hear me? Allie, can you hear me? I need you on this podcast to just give me a psychic reading because I've been really, I think I need a psychic reading specifically from Allie because that's what I need. That's what I need in my life. The world needs now is. Kim Cattrall, I need a fresh start, a fresh reset. And I think Allie's the one to give it to me vis-a-vis some tarot cards or something. Because I think with Kim Cattrall on the horizon, I'm going to need that fresh start more than ever. And so maybe she could tell me what do we have to look forward to in the future. And whether maybe she could tell us if we can get Kim Cattrall back for season three full time. Uh, let's get Allie on the line. I don't, she, I, she probably do not listen to this, but maybe somehow we need to get her on the podcast. We talk about Shishi's wedding. And how she was married in a year for secret. Good for her. She said, we never got married for anyone else, just us. And then LVP says, and a green card. <laughs> that 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 was a, that made me laugh. LVP made me laugh. Some of the other bits and those one-liners she was doing early in the episode when I said Matt told her to, you know, he was mad about it. I didn't like them. But this one I did like. And I was cheering for her. And I was cheering, cheering loudly for her when she said, well... Just also a green card because although I love my shishi, I did think it was it was funny. It was funny. Um, okay, then we have a little Katie and Schwartz stuff. This is that famous moment from the trailer where Katie says, "You're uh, friends with everyone, Schwartz. You're a serial killer's wet dream," and he does trust everyone. And I just am going to need Schwartz to get a backbone here eventually. I mean, how many seasons do we have to see this? And now that he's taking the Xanax on stage, I'm like, what are you taking the Xanax for? You, need, if anything, you need to pop some uh, your Diet Coke, your friend's Diet Coke. Grab your demon friends Diet Coke and have some of that, because we need you energized. I do not need anyone on a reunion stage with a Xanax. It should be it should be outlawed. It should be outlawed. I'm not sure how we get that to Congress. But I remember when Vicki Gumbelson, there was a season, it was alleged, perhaps, I don't know if she had copped to it, or maybe we all just thought so. I don't know. Allegedly, though, it seemed like there have been other times where Housewives if I think back to some of the reunions where they might have said or might have acted like they were very clearly on some sort of Xanax and there is no more better time to be engaged than on a reunion stage. And so they need to outlaw uh, recreational Xanax. Obviously if you need it health wise and your doctor prescribes it for a situation where you are having a panic attack, I understand. But Schwartz, I'm sorry, was abusing Xanax on that stage. She didn't seem like he was. I could be wrong. I, I, I know. I know with anxiety, sometimes the symptoms can be hidden. I get that. I'm sympathetic to that. But at least to my naked eye, eh, when I was looking at that shoeless man, I didn't see that he was getting like really too worked up and needed Xanax. I felt like he was doing a bit. And so I don't appreciate you doing a bit. And so we need to outlaw. We need to get this to Congress because you shouldn't be doing it. You shouldn't be doing it. Uh, then we have Lala getting vulnerable again. She says she felt like an idiot uh, the whole season. She warned Allie about James because she was just really in that place after her and that um, man broke up. Then what else do we talk about? Oh, Allie leaves, though. This was funny to me. When Allie got off the stage, everyone was like, good job, Allie. And it was just so cute. I don't know. I, that's the only way I could describe it. It was cute. It was like, Allie, Andy sent her off. And everybody's like, yay, yay, good job, Allie. You did great. And it was like a kindergarten playing, uh, kindergartner playing soccer or something. You know, when they get off the field and you're like, yay, good job. Yay. Like, that's the vibe. <laughs> did I ever tell you about how my friend Katie B and I used to coach kindergarten soccer? Which, by the way, I'm not a soccer player. nor have I ever really been. I might have played a couple years when I was a child. But when we were in high school, we just decided we there was like a sign up. They needed coaches or something. My friend Katie B, I think her neighbor or someone had a. There was like someone we were somehow connected to one of the kindergartners on the team, and like none of the parents. The parents were all like, "Fuck that." <laughs> Which you got to respect on some level. Those northeast Ohio parents were like, "I'm not fucking coaching kindergarten soccer." Sometimes you can get the, the parents. I feel like are more apt to coach a little bit older. But kindergartens are a rough age to coach anything because those kids aren't ready to learn. They're just not ready to learn the logistics of soccer. And so it was kind of a nightmare just seeing a bunch of little ankle biters running around. But it was the cutest thing ever, and we had the best time because we were we just had the best time with these kids. But. Uh, it was the same kind of vibes, like you couldn't teach the kids plays or anything. So coaching kindergartners in soccer, you would just send them off onto the field and you're like, well, try to kick it in one of the goals. And more often than not, they'd kick it into the wrong goal, but you'd still see them off the, the field. I was going to say off the stage five, six, seven, eight, like we're not in theater. Um, we're in sports. Okay. So they'd come off the field and then. We would just be as coaches, like they would kick the goal into like the wrong goalpost. And we'd be like, yay. And I feel like that was the same vibe as Allie was getting as she was leaving that stage. Like, yay, Allie. Good job, Allie them kindergartners too, all they cared about was the snack afterwards. And I, I I got it because I was the same way. And as a coach, like that was my main focus was like getting the parents together. And uh, I encourage all of you, it behooves all of you out there. If you're a coach of a little league, I'm not saying kindergarten, but if you're someone who coaches or your husband coaches or something, the most important thing is the snacks. And so I'm going to need, and I got like real hardcore, like early early version of Kate Gosselin where i was like so org- i've never been more organized in my life than when i was organizing the snacks for that kindergarten soccer team it was like okay whose turn is it this week need to make sure everyone's got a snack and make sure you got the drink and a snack not just the not sometimes a parent would just bring like the Capri sun or something it's like no we also need the snack and also making sure that it's not just some bullshit orange slices i'm sorry to say it but the kids don't want the orange slices they don't they do not want it there was one i this is how we got really serious, because one of the moms brought apples. Apple slices. Apple fucking slices. I hate to say it, but electric chair. Electric chair. Matt, warm up the electric chair, because these parents, those parents bring in an apple slice after the soccer game. No, no, you want, it's if you're bringing a snack to a kid's game, you make sure it has high fructose corn syrup in it. Make sure that it's loaded with high-fructose corn syrup. I'm sorry to all the health nuts out there, and I don't support that in general uh, life. But if you're bringing kids a snack, it's a special treat. And so bring in some bullshit like an apple slice. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I like an orange or an apple in everyday life. But after a soccer game, it's not a celebration unless you have some high-fructose corn syrup. So you get some gushers. You get some Dunkaroos. I don't know what they make these days, but you make sure you got enough and you got extras. So, okay, what are we even talking about? How did I get over there? How did I get over there? I lost my stuff in my notes. Do not even know where we are? We're already in an hour. Woo! I thought this was going to be a short recap because we've been going long so much. I, I was like, oh, it's part two of the reunion. How long could it be? And now we're over an hour. Um, That whole uh, clip that I played at the beginning of this podcast where Zinzival was saying uh, about Sheena, he was so worried about saying, upsetting his relationship with Sheena. And when Ariana says, you have no relationship she- with Sheena, you fucking idiot. Are you idiot? Now the, during this whole thing, Sanzival offers, I keep calling him Sanzival still, I can't stop calling him that in the, in the Ken Todd way, Tom Sanzival, uh, I can't stop saying it. Anyway, uh, they're in the scene and there's a flashback to Shishi and Rachel dancing on Watch What Happens Live that I need you to go back and watch because it's the funniest fucking thing ever. So it was during commercial break of Watch What Happens Live, and this is like the footage they got for this Flashback in the reunion part two was just the two of them dancing like so awkwardly in their chairs, and I just love it. it was like the quickest little moment. But I need y'all to go back and watch it, and hopefully the Peacock has an extended version of the two of them dancing because it was so fucking funny to me. But then zinzival offers to take a polygraph test. Now these I, uh, these polygraph tests are stupid, and I don't know what. It happened on Bravo, where all of a sudden everybody just decided. I think actually LVP started the whole polygraph renaissance because she did it on camera, and it was her last season of The Beverly Hills Housewives. And then it felt like everybody after that on all these shows. And I can't think of other specific examples, but I know I think Mary Oh Married to Medicine did what Quad did a, a test. Oh, and also Selling Sunset. Oh no, she did a drug test. Did you guys watch the season of Selling Sunset, season six? Oh, it's so fucking good. Emma, the Empanada Queen, she's going to be on the podcast, I think, next week. So stay tuned for that. But I love... If you haven't watched Selling Sunset Season 6, I think it was the best season ever. I'm not even just saying that. I think it was the best season. They got a new villain named Nicole, who Chrishell said was on crack or something. I'm not sure. I can't remember. But anyway, then she got a drug test. So she didn't do a polygraph. But anyway, the testing... uh, The polygraph testing, it's like, what is going on? Anyway, Andy gives Shishi the paperwork that was filed today. but she still, So I didn't understand this either. Like, the... It was filed for dismissal, but then Sheena still had to leave and go 100 yards away. I don't understand that. Uh, anyway, before she does leave, though, she says that at Coachella, Sandoval told Rachel that he was in an open relationship with Ariana and then came on, came on to Raquel. Sandoval denies it. Anyway, Andy gives that paperwork to her. It was filed. Uh, Raquel says that she regrets the restraining order. She regrets it? Well, then why'd you do it, you dummy? she's uh, It's all bullshit. She's taking advantage of the legal system, lest we not forget that. Sheena did cry a lot. I didn't realize it was so stressful for her. Anyway, she also gave Rachel a home. Supposedly, after Rachel made uh, or broke up with DJ James Kennedy in his uncircumcised penis, then she went and stayed and lived with Shishi. And so Shishi's got a good heart. And so the fact that she has to now deal with legal situations, oh, I don't like it. Ariana, meanwhile, keeps—I have in my notes that Ariana called Rachel a rat. It says that like multiple times in my notes, and I just—it made me laugh. She just kept saying, (laughs) "That rat, that rat." Ugh. I I was so proud of Ariana. She kept her cool, but I also—I also think she stuck it to. I felt like she was engaged in like the right way. I don't know. I I, just—I liked her. I liked it. Uh, Okay. Then also, it was revealed that Rachel slept in bed with Shishi and Brock. I think it was in Vegas. Where's my invite to sleep in bed with Brock? I mean, she, she don't have to be there, but those, me and them thighs. Anyway, I don't understand that either. Cause I can't even imagine, I don't know, I guess I'm trying to think of even my friends. Like I can't imagine a friend like sleeping in bed with Matt and I as like a friend, you know, like that doesn't track to me. So I don't quite understand it. But the point is she, she trusted that woman and so that woman to be doing this and deceiving Shishi in front of her eyes for so long is not okay. So backstage, or not backstage, but at the trailer a hundred yards away from Shishi Good to School Che, Rachel says, while she's listening to Sheena get so upset about this restraining order, Rachel says, now I'm thinking I should have written Sheena a personal note. Are you idiot? Yeah, no shit. No shit. No shit. Oh, no shit. Come on. Why? Why are, you so, why are these people so stupid? <laughs> I don't understand. Okay, then Ariana. So she called Rachel a fucking rat, and then uh, Andy says, "All right, I'm sorry to have to do this, but Sheena, can you ex- exit the stage?" And that made me laugh. Uh, Zinzval leaves. And before Shishi goes, so I don't know why Zinsval got up. I think he thought he was going to get to go talk to Rachel one more time. But before this happens, Shishi goes up to Andy and she says, before I go, 10 years ago, you said I'd have an album by 2023. And I do have something for you. And then she gives him a Good As Gold vinyl, which is, first of all, the most beautiful thing. And that clip where it says, you said I'd have an album uh, by 2023, that clip was recirculated when I did my rewatch pre-Scandival. I had posted that and sent it to Shishi. And, uh, so I feel like that was my impact and that might not actually be the case, but I'm choosing to take that as a win for me. So thank you. Um, but there is a good as gold vinyl and I need it to be at, I don't know, where can you buy the good as gold vinyl? Like I'm going to need that at urban outfitters or something because I need that in my collection. I need the gold, good as gold vinyl. And they played the good as gold song over footage of Tom with his cigarette in the parking lot. And that was when he was like the smoking gun. He's like, oh, I'm blowing it. Oh, oh, oh. Now, here's the thing. I rewound this a couple times. And even Matt was like, did he say I'm blowing it? Or did he say blowing it or blow? Or We didn't quite hear it. It was like a little bit. Maybe some of you heard it better. Or maybe in the Peacock version, it's more. But it sounded to me like he said, oh, I'm blowing it. So I hope I'm not getting that wrong. But the point is, he was blowing it. He was blowing this reunion. He was blowing this reunion. Uh, But they played good as gold over it. And it was just, I love that song. I love it. Underrated Bob. Then uh, uh, Raquel is coming out on stage. And Ariana, she decides the staging. And so Andy was like, okay, Schwartz, move your shoeless ass over a seat. And then Ariana's like, no, he's not sitting there. And so she stopped it. She put the kibosh on it. Which I love, the power that Ariana has this reunion. She says, no, Andy, that's not how we're going to do things. He's not going to sit next to her. And Andy just goes, yeah, okay. And because, guess what? Guess who's stage managing now? Guess who's doing, uh, guess who's really running this set? It's Ariana. That's who's running this joint. And so you fall in line. And so Andy knew he fell in line. And so he said, no, I guess we're not moving the chairs. And so that's what happened. Her impact. Her impact. And so Rachel, then she comes out, and she's not actually sitting next to Zinsvall. And uh before she does come out, we see another clip from her one-on-one with DJ, or I was going to say DJ Andy, Daddy Andy. And uh, Andy says, did Tom prep you for the reunion? And she basically is like, yeah, of course. Yeah, like we talked about it, of course. And in that one-on-one, I don't know if we've discussed her blazer work, but like, what the fuck is that blazer? I know it was purposeful and obviously she was doing it for like, I don't know, to look professional or businesswoman, but it's just funny to me because it's just, they were all dressed so differently. It was like Ariana had the updo in a dress and like a going out dress. And then Zinzival had just a cardigan on and some jewels, like uh, some casual jewels. I felt like he had a beaded necklace or something. Maybe I'm making that up. But I, in my head, I saw a beaded necklace, like one of those Taylor Swift era tour bracelets. Like, that's what I saw on him. Maybe I was just scrapped, distracted by his white grippers. But then Rachel showed up in a business blazer for looking for a businesswoman special. And it's like, what were the dress code things for this? Like, did they not give him any sort of guidelines of what to wear for the one-on-ones? Because they're all wearing something fucking different. It's like when... <laughs> It's like when you get an invitation for something that says business casual and you're like, what the fuck does that mean? I felt like you go to the party then and you see everybody's dressed. Some people are dressed for a club or over on Atlanta housewives. Moneta was like going to a charity event and Kenya was like, you can't wear those booty shorts. And then she went and changed. And then they arrived for the charity event and everyone's dressed like different. And so when it says and the invite business casual, no one fucking knows what that means. I'm sorry. Nobody does. Nobody knows. And so, and by the way, If Even if you know what it means, you go to that party, and it's clear that most other people don't know what it means because everybody's dressed fucking different. And so I feel like when they invited them to those one-on-ones, it was like, okay, dress business casual. And so Rachel was like, let me go get a blazer from Talbot's and throw that on so I look like Joan London circa 1992 in a blazer because, uh, I mean, what was that about? I just have never seen Rachel in a blazer before. I don't know if you saw that she always wears the same kind of... Same color dress, and she's always... Uh, I don't know. She's beautiful. I hate to talk about her looks anyway, because she's beautiful, but not on the inside. Okay, so then, um, yeah, she comes out. She's scared to see Ariana. She's too smiley. Too smiley. Meanwhile, she she, good as gold Shea back in the trailer, without thighs, her husband. Uh, she's in the trailer drinking the White Claw. She's got a sweatshirt on that says, it's all happening. And I'm just devastated that she can't be on stage with these people. She started this show! It is disgusting. It is disgusting that we are taking Sheena off the stage. And by the way, I know with these housewives and I think with the contracts they may get paid per episode and if she, she doesn't get paid for all three parts, I'm assuming she will because I think she's going to be shown on screen watching from the trailer 100 yards away. But if there was any possibility that she didn't get paid, then I will I will strike. Strike it. I will strike it. I will strike it. I'll be right outside. I will be right outside because that's not acceptable. It's not acceptable for her to not be paid because she started this show with her affair with Eddie Ciprian and sitting down with Brandy Glanville before she walked over to the Sir Kitchen and met with Maloney and the other one, Stasi Goat Cheeseballs. So that we do not take her off that stage. She start, She created this franchise, and so I will not stand for it, sitting in the trailer with the White Claw 100 yards away. Uh, what else happens? Uh, the end, she comes out and she says, Hi, Andy, and then we get the preview for next week. Now, they didn't show in the preview for next week the stuff about this big reveal. Remember, there was this big reveal supposedly happens. A producer said that something huge happens that might cause some of the cast members to not want to sign on for next season, and we don't get any of that. So I don't know if that just was being kept from the trailer Or if it's just not big enough, if it was all a a whole lot, uh, much ado about nothing. So I don't know what the truth is. We're going to have to wait and see. Buckle up, Buttercup. One more week. I can't believe we've got one more week. I I feel like I maybe say this every week, but I thought before the episode started, I was like, maybe I'm kind of done with this whole thing again. Like Maybe I'm kind of tired of it. And then it's like the reunion starts, and I am on the edge of my seat. And watching it, like, this is the moon landing. Like, that's how I really was sitting down thinking, what could they possibly show us? Like, I'm so sick of it. I'm so sick of the scandal. Like, that's kind of the dialogue that was playing in my head just as I sat down. And then immediately lights up, I am watching it like the moon landing. I am watching it like, uh, I don't know, back in the 80s when they would watch Who Shot Jr., Was that on Dallas in the 80s? I don't quite remember. But, you know, when it's like appointment TV. And that's how I watch it immediately, immediately, like getting the first little bit of footage from Vanderpump Rules. Then suddenly I'm back on board. And now next week it's ending, it's wrapping up and I'm nervous about it because I don't want it to end. I don't, I don't want it to end. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that Uh, Anyway, that's the episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Jersey, the reunion. Real quickly, just because people are going to be mad we're not talking about Jersey. But the only thing I do have to say about the reunion is that I kind of liked it. I I did sort of like it. And I know everyone's so exhausted by Melissa Teresa of it all. And I was too. Believe me. But there was something about the episode of the reunion that I, like, really loved. And I don't know if—sometimes, you know, you're in a mood where you enjoy watching something very negative and toxic. Like, that's kind of how I felt watching the Jersey reunion. was like, I know this is so sad that this family is torn apart. But I was just kind of in a mode to breathe it in, breathe it all in. And so when I sat down for part one of the Jersey reunion, I was a 100% on board, ladies. Ladies, I was on board. I liked it. I thought it was great. And I don't know. It kind of, I don't know. It kind of made me think they all need to be back next season. I'm sorry. I don't know. There's so many red flags that Louis though. In the Bo Deedle. And we're getting into that next week. But, but I do have to say that I thought it was a great reunion. I thought it was great. And I didn't really care for the season at all. But I thought Rachel Fuda stepped it up. I thought Danielle was doing really good at the reunion. I felt like we were getting some layers. And so I liked it so far. So far check we'll check in in a couple weeks uh what else is going on we got orange county coming up very soon very excited about that and uh yeah i love you all so much for listening this was a lot of, hour 15 i don't, i was going to talk a little bit about atlanta i'm trying to think what do i have thoughts about atlanta i didn't take notes because it was memorial day but um atlanta was it's good I, i'm missing a spark with atlanta i just that's how i'm feeling and i i hope other people are enjoying it more but you know it's early on in the season so i'm sure it's still good, but Like I still think a bad episode of Atlanta is like better than most things on TV, so I don't mean to shit on it, because I think it's better than most other things. It's just, I'm missing a little bit of a spark, but I think we're going to get it. I think we're kind of finding our groove, and I think we're the chemistry is still trying to work itself out, so I'm still very hopeful. I'm still very hopeful about Atlanta, but uh, in terms of notes, I didn't take notes, because it's Memorial Day, and also, I'm overwhelmed with the scan of all. It's an hour plus that we're doing this recap, so I'm tired. I'm going to go now. I love you all so much for listening. The Sheena Shea, It's All Happening, Tattoos, Temper tattoos you can get at everythingiconic.store. dot store we also have other stuff there you can get the cocktail book i did with ariana and tom you can get uh i'll sign a copy there and just i guess i don't know if you can write in the notes somebody wrote <laughs> we just sold one of the cocktail books and matt said somebody wrote in like their order to cross out tom's face and so we like had to literally take a marker and then cross, <laughs> cross out his face which was actually very therapeutic but um Yeah, anyway, everything store. You can get all that stuff. Love you all so much for listening. Thank you to ACAST. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week. We got some great interviews. I did an interview with Jeff Hiller from a show called ACAST somebody somewhere on hbo which is so good it just wrapped up its second season so that interview with jeff he stars as joel alongside bridget everett and the interview was really really great it just came out on the podcast feed or you can watch on the youtube channel youtube.com slash danny pellegrino and the number one jeff is great love you all so much for listening stay safe and we'll talk uh, next week bye bye